You are listening to the SLP Happy Hour podcast and up today, are you living through difficult times? And if you're a human being right now, your answer is likely a resounding yes. So we are going to share how to develop a list of self-care non-negotiables that works for you so you can focus on the basics and move forward during difficult times. Helpful, compassionate, and actionable, the SLP Happy Hour podcast will help you find more time and ease in your busy SLP life. I'm Sarah, and I work in private practice and in the schools. I'm Sari. I work in the school setting. Being an SLP isn't about hustle, overwork, and overwhelm, but about finding calm, boundaries, and taking more time to take care of yourself when life gets rough. Using research-based happiness habits and what's really worked for us, we share ideas so that you can find out what works for you in order to find more calm, creativity, and happiness. So let's slow down, take our time, and practice leaving things undone. As you listen in, leave all those unrealistic expectations at the door. Here, you'll find easy lessons, lesson fails, SLP wisdom, and simple self-care challenges. So let's move forward with less hustle and more slowness, gentleness, and heart. It's time for an SLP happy hour. Welcome to the podcast. If this is your first episode, welcome. We are glad you're here. If you've been listening for years, thank you. We appreciate you listening in and have created an episode that we hope you'll love today. We're excited to get started. First up, Sarah has a book recommendation for you that'll take you back to the future. (laughs) That's right. This fall on the podcast, I'm focusing on sharing book recommendations from Black authors. And up today is The Space Between Worlds by Micaiah Johnson. In this futuristic novel, there are worlds upon worlds where people live and play out different scenarios, so the same character on each multiple Earth. The protagonist gets to visit worlds with so many interesting storylines where she meets the cast of characters that she has in her own life living out tons of different scenarios. I was so immersed in the storyline that I'd recommend this book for anyone who loves fiction. And I know that technically my past few recommendations have been sci-fi or fantasy, which is just by chance. I actually don't read a lot of either. So if the last two recommendations don't float your boat, I'll have even more recommendations next episode or check out the SLP Happy Hour Pinterest board called Sarah's Reads 2020, and you'll get a chance to see even more book recommendations. And along with book recommendations, I have an article recommendation um, or that I wanted to discuss today. A friend actually shared an article with me recently from the Washington Post, written by Allison Chu, called Time to Ditch Toxic Positivity. Experts say it's okay to not be okay. This article discusses the trend in American culture to value positive thinking and to force positivity during really hard times, to the point where it actually becomes toxic for one's mental health. Positivity can become toxic when someone is blindly refusing to acknowledge the difficulties and struggles that they are facing and instead force themselves to find something quote-unquote positive to focus on instead. It's sort of like an ostrich with its head buried in the sand of positivity, if you will, while the world around its body is falling apart. 
Toxic positivity can cause increased anxiety and depression, making us feel worse than just acknowledging that things are hard and facing that fact head on. Things to be aware of with toxic positivity include trying to find the bright side of tragic situations, chronically brushing hard facts off by saying things like, oh, it'll be fine, or, well, things could be worse. This over-positivity may be doing more harm than good. I see toxic positivity daily as a response to all the hardships that we're experiencing as a country right now. I can also relate to this from when I was struggling with infertility and people would try to force me to be positive about it by saying things like, oh, don't worry, it'll happen, or everything is going to work out, you'll see. I was actually incredibly resentful towards these types of comments because the people who said them had no idea if things would work out. And I knew that I needed to mentally prepare myself in case they didn't, because if I bought into that toxic positivity, I would just fall apart if it didn't work out. I was much more appreciative of statements like, I'm so sorry you have to go through this, or even just acknowledging that completely sucks, which is at least recognizing what I'm going through. Sarah, what are your thoughts on toxic positivity? When do you feel that positivity is helpful? And when do you think it crosses a line into that toxic level for you? I don't know the answer to that question, but I can definitely relate to uh, having someone, I think the infertility example is such a good one where people will just sort of discount your own emotions. And it feels bad saying things like, have you tried vitamins? Have you tried acupuncture? Mm -hmm. Or it'll all work out when it needs to. Or the worst one, everything happens for a reason. No one should be saying that. So I've been kind of thinking about this and wondering why, why do people do this? Where do people do this? And processing as we've been talking about it. And I do think that some people, you know, as you were reading that, a certain person came to my mind, maybe to yours as well. But some people have toxic positivity as a default because they just don't have the emotional skills or the EQ to process it any other way. Or they have overwhelming feelings themselves when things are bad and they don't know how to work through those. Another way I've seen toxic positivity is in some self-help communities and some religious communities where you're almost encouraged to only share what's going great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe even lifestyle bloggers are a good example of this with their perfect homes, perfect kids, perfect outfits. Mm -hmm. So basically anyone who's selling anything on the Internet and wants to make their life or job look perfect or sell you something – Um, And even if it's not what they're saying, even if they're not saying uh, statements that are have toxic positivity to them, like, let's look at the people's actions. What do they do? And if they're only sharing pictures of clean homes and happy children and good work days. So, of course, these are all generalizations, but I think recognizing examples will help us see it in the world and maybe recognize it in ourselves 
And in the SLP world, I've seen it as people not listening to when I've needed some problem solving. So I've needed to like phone a friend, mm-hmm. um, aka complaining sessions where I talk about sessions that didn't go well. Uh, Sarah, you're really good about this. You know, I've had a few cases involving paperwork or students this year where I've probably said the same thing to you at least a dozen times. And it might seem like I'm stuck and it's probably very annoying to listen to, but it helps me process at best. And at the very least, it just helps me feel my own feelings. So thank you for that. But you do the same for me, my friend. So <laughs> okay, we, it's a symbiotic relationship. Oh, good. Um, so and also being toxic positive. Uh, I've done it myself, sharing the good, making my own story seem good with people I don't know well or people I'm protecting, like sometimes with family members. I don't want them to feel burdened. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing certain areas in my life um, where I've maybe done that. And I think specifically for me, my story in building a family through adoption, I don't want people to be toxically positive to me because it's been so hurtful. And I think it's a situation like infertility or adoption that people aren't familiar with. They can tend to really use those statements that are very, I don't know, positive and rude. Um, That's led me to just not talking about adoption and feeling isolated at times. Mm -hmm. So overall, I've seen it in myself. I've seen it in others. I've seen it sometimes in SLPs. So let's just be on the lookout for it. And again, this isn't to shame anyone, but uh, how can we learn to recognize it? Or if it's something I'm doing, how can I um, change it? Yeah. You know, um, I really liked in the article, there was a visualization that a clinical health psychologist had stated, and she likened toxic positivity to eating too much ice cream and getting sick, or trying to shove ice cream in someone else's face when they really don't feel like having any. And I love this imagery because that, to me, perfectly describes what toxic positivity is like. So it is something for us to be aware of, especially as we're on social media, as we're interacting with friends, and even as we interact with ourselves, don't try to force yourself to be positive because you might end up making yourself feel sick. So keep it real with how you're feeling. And while we're thinking of being really real in this space together, it's also time to really dig in into taking care of yourself and protecting the things that are essential to your well-being. Yeah, it seems like when life is hard, we tend to spend less and less time taking care of ourselves because we're busy. And that can be a recipe for burnout. And I've been there for real. Mm -hmm. And I've done episodes on burnout. And in times like these, I'm trying to move slower and do less when I feel really overwhelmed and constantly hurried. And of course, sometimes I meet that goal and sometimes I do not. (laughs) So today we're calling a self-care emergency and we're talking about an experiment we've been doing over the past few weeks, and you can do too, which is to identify and practice your top Three, self-care non-negotiables. When you hear the word non-negotiables, don't think about trying to incorporate three new things into your daily routine. This isn't a challenge to take new things on to make you feel more overwhelmed. Instead, this is a challenge to simplify your ability to take care of yourself by selecting three things that would make your life easier if you could consistently get them every day. If nothing jumps immediately to mind when you hear the term non-negotiable, I'd recommend considering your needs as they fall into Maslow's hierarchy. Start by considering your very basic needs. Are you eating and sleeping enough? Are you drinking enough water? 
If the answer is no, start there. One non-negotiable would be that you maybe go to bed at 8 p.m. every night or that you actually take your lunch break every workday. And then if your basic needs are being met, work your way up Maslow's hierarchy to figure out what you need to be providing yourself to take care of yourself during this time. The next levels in that hierarchy, if you're not familiar, are safety. Since it's during the pandemic right now, maybe you don't feel safe going grocery shopping. So a non-negotiable would be having a delivery or only doing pickup, wearing both a mask and a shield whenever you're in a public space. Um, And then continuing up their social needs and uh, non-negotiables there could be a family dinner together every night device-free Sundays where everyone in your household has to turn off their screens and actually interact with one another. I'm guessing that most of us can find non-negotiables right now that are somewhere in those first three. I've personally found that I need some very basic non-negotiables during this time to get through. But if you're in the more advanced level, (laughs) then I'm glad you're doing great. And you can work up towards the self-esteem, self-actualization levels and uh, find some non-negotiables there. All right. So I can start with mine. And I, I was focusing on health and energy because I was feeling, you know, tired and really lackluster and honestly eating like lots of like bread and sugar (laughs) and feeling, I don't know, just not myself. So here's what I wrote and then what I actually did, which was different. So again, this was our two-week experiment. My first one was a daily walk and the goal there was to get exercise outdoors. That did not work, so I had to change it mainly because we are transitioning to winter here in the Northern Hemisphere and the time I want to exercise right now, which is before work, it is dark and very, very cold outside. So I switched that to doing a YouTube video for exercise every morning, and that is going well. Awesome. So I'm just sharing that because we may need to kind of switch or modify our goals once we realize they're not doable with our current constraints. Uh, number two, a salad for lunch. I have had the horrible, just like 2, 3 p.m., just sugar energy crashes. And so I'm really working on lots of greens, uh, having the same consistent lunch every day, having some protein in there. And this is not to say I still won't have my 3 p.m. chocolate square, which is a (laughs) non-negotiable. But having a salad for lunch for me, it's just like it's on autopilot. I don't have to make the decision. I don't have to think about it. And again, I'm trying to get kind of more energy in the afternoon by eating something a bit more stable and healthy. Number three, gathering space and time away from people who can't support me. And so for me, I have really gone through times uh, this fall of being really stressed, not sleeping well. And that means there are people in my life who are needy or make stories about them or just who aren't able to emotionally interact with me or, again, people who are displaying toxic positivity. I'm going to love them from afar and get some space from those people. Mm Mm-hmm. So my self-care non-negotiables will be uh, similar to Sarah's. First and foremost, daily exercise. And this is absolutely non-negotiable for me. It's my one bit of time for me right now. My husband will take our baby Declan and I will get this lovely hour to let off some steam. Not only that... I am so much more dormant during my work days that I have to make even more of an effort 
and focus to get that movement and exercise that I need to stay energetic and healthy incorporated into every day. Number two for me is drinking a large glass of water after every time I feed my son or after I pump. It has been a goal, those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while, for me to improve my hydration, but now it's even more essential and absolutely non-negotiable because I got to keep that milk supply up. So again, non-negotiable nursing working moms will know what I mean when I say the struggle is real (laughs) and it's something I always worry about and have to be so careful to keep up my supply. Number three is keeping at least one weekend day free of any plans. With the new baby, it seems like everyone wants to visit and you know, we've had to really restrict that down because of the pandemic, but still I have a lot of family that lives nearby that wants to drop by and see the baby. And I have had to put some pretty strict restrictions on that now because I need at least one day to myself to just be with my own family and to unwind each week. And today your SLP wisdom is a mantra that Sarah's going to say. <laughs> right. I love this one. You shared it with me, Sarah, and it is that I can let uncertain situations arise without knowing the outcome. I wish I could quote the source, but ultimately it's about we want to know the outcome, we stress about what could happen, but just allowing these situations to arise without knowing what's going to happen next. I worry about all sorts of things, like the one student that needs the alternate placement. Will they get it? About the assessments that are piling up. Will I finish it? Will I meet the deadline? So far, no dice. (laughs) I worry about the amount of three-year-olds aging into my program and if I'll be able to serve them all. So this isn't something I've mastered, but it's something I am practicing. Allowing uncertainty to arise and not knowing what will happen next. Mm -hmm. When you first said this one, I actually like internally cringed because this is so hard for me. It is such a personal struggle for me to deal with that uncertainty, which is guaranteed to arise, right? And I really do need to work on getting more comfortable with not knowing the outcome and letting that attempt to control everything go. So one thing that I can compare this to work-wise that always, like pandemic or not, always happens is uh, potential room changes. They always come up for me every year. There's always going to possibly be a new speech room. And I feel like I'm in the state of limbo that is so hard to live with, whether I need to pack things up to move them and where the new room's going to be. I like to be prepared. I like to have control. (laughs) But it's impossible to prepare for every situation. So this is such a good mantra for reminding me and hopefully our listeners to be more flexible with the fact that things can and will, they will change and I can let them change and I won't always be able to predict it or prepare for it, but I can meet the change with patience and I can adjust to it as it comes. Or at least try to. And, you know, maybe that's just the way things are now. They're constantly changing. Mm -hmm. Definitely since last spring, it's felt that way. And now it feels like there are literally changes, many changes daily. Right. So moving on um, up today, Sarah has some therapy tips for SLPs who are short on time, but want to plan effective and meaningful speech and language therapy sessions. These three tips are focused on preschoolers who may be resistant to therapy and be off task, especially during telepractice sessions. But these tips work for in-clinic or in-school therapy as well. 
Okay, so again, not all tips will work for all students in all settings, but I'm going to talk about some tips for serving in-person and telepractice that have helped me with Wiggly students, students with lots of sound disorders who are maybe resistant or off task, what I've done right and what I've done wrong. So imagine that preschooler who looks at the screen or looks at you in person and is wiggly, silly, or avoidant. Their body is always moving. They're always looking away. They can imitate and they can attend in other parts of their lives, but not when it comes to speech therapy sessions. So that's the profile we're talking about today. So these three tips are what has most often worked for sessions that are going oh so wrong and the best things that have helped me get them back on the right track. And one of these tips is specifically about students with multiple speech sound errors who are a bit inattentive and avoidant since that's something I've seen quite a bit lately too. Number one, have clear expectations. Visually post them. If you're doing telepractice, the parent should have a copy on their end and reward the student with little tallies for following directions. You're going to do the same on your end. Go over those expectations, review them, and teach them more often than you think you need to. For two to four weeks, you may be teaching the expectations constantly and reinforcing with tally marks every five or ten seconds or every 15 seconds. I have been there. It does reduce over time. We're teaching kids how to attend, and that takes time. And just for reference, my speech rules are quiet hands, gentle feet, eyes looking, mouth taking turns. And again, I'm going to give kids a tally for following those speech room rules. So that's tip one, have clear expectations, post them, parent has them on there, and you have them on your end if you're doing telepractice. Number two, have a reward. If a kid gets 10 tallies for me, that's one minute of a YouTube video. Uh, My kids right now really like Octonauts and Sheriff Callie. And here's my super secret hack, not really. Uh, YouTube is always broken, aka I press the mute button on YouTube. So my student (laughs) needs to tell me what's happening. And we talk about what's happening together. And my student will answer questions about the video as it goes and practice telling the story, which is really fun. Number three, tip three, work on multiple sounds in one session especially for those avoidant kids. And I've noticed a lot of my kids with, you know, phonology uh, errors or who are apraxic or who are unintelligible really try to avoid. And I think that it really makes a difference if we try to not just do practice one sound per session, but multiple sounds. And again, you don't want to choose two sounds that are too similar, uh, but it does help to work on multiple sounds per session. So If that sounds good to you and you're looking for something that's done for you and offers lots of repetitions for your preschool and kinder students on early sounds like MNTDPB, I do have a seasonal boom card deck that addresses just that and is preschooler approved in our Teachers Pay Teachers store. I use them myself every week. I will link to the winter version maybe in the show notes. It's about to be winter. Or you can go ahead and visit teacherspayteachers.com search for SLP happy hour and find the early speech sounds boom card deck and there will be different versions for different seasons. So there you have it. That's this episode of the SLP happy hour podcast. Today we discussed an article on toxic positivity, some self-care non-negotiables, letting uncertainty arise without knowing the outcome, and three tips for providing virtual therapy to preschool aged children. We hope this episode and this topic was helpful for you today. We are coming to you from Southern Oregon, where the weather report is 
cold and sunny with blue skies. As a land acknowledgement, we acknowledge this episode is recorded on the land of the Tacalma and Cow Creek Umpqua tribes. Would you like behind-the-scenes information about the podcast? Well, we only share that to our newsletter list, plus downloadable freebies that go with some of our episodes. Get on the list at slphappyhour.com newsletter. And as always, you can find us on social media, mostly on Instagram, as SLP Happy Hour. We're also on Teachers Pay Teachers as SLP Happy Hour, where you can find low prep and no prep resources for your speech room. So that's today's show. We hope you enjoyed listening in as much as we enjoyed recording it. We hope this episode has been a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. Thank you for listening. Until next time. And although I want to stress about all the possible incomes or outcomes, <laughs> incomes, <laughs> we have so many outtakes from today. Okay. <laughs> and this is a mantra I like because it's easy to want to know the outcome and stress about all the possible outcomes. So I can let uncertain situations arise without knowing the income. <laughs> gotta know that income what is that income level going to be <laughs> it's not enough <laughs> whatever i'm doing right now the income is not enough man. it's never enough <laughs> mm.